Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. I'm at Bradshaw. That would be the Chickasaw native and Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And we got a treat today. We got a man who was part of the greatest faction of all time. Greater than the Freebirds, greater than the Four Horsemen. I'm talking about the cabinet, the cabinet. The yeah. man who created the symbol, the man who was there when the wrestling God phrase was created because we had too much to drink that day. And they stuck us on camera. <laughs> Mr. Doug Basham. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I tell you what, this is a dream come true. Ever since you guys started this, I go, I've got, I've got to be on the show. I've got to be on the show. I want to be on the show. What do I got to do to be on this show? And uh, I, I don't even know how I got on the show. I just got on the show. Maybe you guys ran out of uh, people to interview. I don't know. I can tell you how you got on there. I got you on there because I asked John John to book you about six months, about a year and a half ago, and John said, "Okay, I'll book him." Just like he does, I'll book him. And hey, John, we got about no, 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 no. So finally, I went on social media and I looked you up, and I did the hard way. I I went to uh, whatever those messages are, which I hate those damn things. I. And when people don't respond, I never get upset because I don't respond from those things either. But I'm the one to book it. But on that introduction, Doug, he said you guys were greater than free birds than everybody else, but he didn't miss an APA. <laughs> well, John's been kicked in the head a lot over the years, you know, and he he has some of that memory loss. He probably he doesn't he was in the APA. I'll I'll soon be hunting Easter eggs I just hid. Are you think I got some memory loss? Finding stuff you hit a long time ago, didn't you know you even had. Uh, you know, I was going to say the greatest brother tag team of all time, better than the Steiners, better, better than Harlem Heat, better than the Funks, better than the Briscoes. <laughs> oh, whoa, that's pushing it right there. Uh, oh, wait a minute. What? You say APA, he says APA, and you go, oh, he's been kicked the head too many times. And I, and I say Briscoes, and you go, oh, that's pushing it. <laughs> You're picking yeah, up the, the greatest tag team ever. Come on, we all know that. Well, hey, Doug, 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 Doug don't want the repercussion from it because I do see Doug every once in a while slipping down here to the state of Florida. You know? That's correct. That is correct. Going down, working on my suntan, you know. You wear sunscreen on top of that head, don't you, Doug? <laughs> What's that? You wear sunscreen up there, right? Doug has already asked me, What's that twice? I don't know if I'm not speaking clearly or what. I'm doing it in a new room, by the way. My internet should be 100% today. It, I hear you loud and clear. 
It's a pleasure to have you on. As, as John did truthfully say, we've been trying to get you on for ages and ages and ages. We finally, finally got a date where where you're clear and we we're clear. So, man, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about Doug Basham. I know Smoky Mountains where where you started. Who broke you in? And and what? How did you how did you get hooked on our great sport? Yeah, well, whose fault is it? Is it, what's that? <laughs> and whose fault is it? As Dick Murdoch says, what'd you get for it? Because the guy should have got two to five years in prison. <laughs> if it's that damn Jim Cornette fault, we're going to hunt him down. Oh, no, no, no. But he's he's guilty by association. It's that no good, dirty, nightmare Danny Davis, my uncle. That's all his fault. But uh, and he's your uncle? Your uncle? He's, he's, he was my uncle by marriage. Yes. So Got to get that straight. And uh, he cusses me every day for telling him, why'd you let me marry your aunt? Why'd you let me marry your aunt? And I was like, well, my dad, as you're walking down the aisle, warns you once again, and you just forgot, you know, you just <laughs> didn't listen to him. Uh, anyway. So, so how long did that marriage last? Um, not long, I don't think. <laughs> I don't not long enough to remember. How about that? No, but man, it was, it was great. I was a, been a wrestling fan my whole life, you know, ever since I was old enough to turn on the TV and uh, three, four years old. Who were some of your favorites back then? What TV did you get? You Where is this? We're talking Kentucky, Tennessee or where? Yeah, I got a lot of the Mid-South stuff, uh, USWA, uh, I think they call it United States Championship Wrestling and with uh, Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee, uh, Dutch Mantel, Sonny King. Uh, I'm trying to think of some others. Uh, Hot stuff. Eddie Gilbert. These are the these are the guys that I grew up watching and starting to love. Uh, obviously, the Jarrett's, Tojo Yamamoto. That you know, it's about as, as far back as I, as I go as far as watching because I come from a little small town called Henryville, Indiana, and we had to pump in sunshine, man, and we just had to run carpet out to the to the bathroom. It was one of those kind of towns, and you had we had three channels, and they were all fuzzy, and you had to have those rabbit ears and put the put the aluminum foil on it just so it would come in clear. So it was, you know, it was rough back in them days. Yeah, you know, people get spoiled with cable TV. Even when cable TV first came out, it was in the major cities, but places like you live, places they like I live, it probably like at Layfield lived out out yeah. that damn desolate Texas. Probably didn't have the local local people didn't have cable tv until much later after cable came along uh, i think it's just recently been put out there hadn't it john <laughs> wait where i grew up they just got rocky 2 at the local movie theater they just got the app to smoke signals so john and i <laughs> communicate with them <laughs> oh yeah uh, they're all excited where i grew up because they, they heard that uh, rocky wins this one <laughs> is that right <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so, so you grew up watching wrestling with your rabbit ears. Uh, yeah, rabbit ears. The rabbit ears were on the TV, right? Not on the TV. Yes. Okay. Yes. But on Easter, they were on me. But um, yeah, I was grew up as a fan of wrestling, and every week uh, when I was, I got older and older and older, about 15, 14, 15, 16, when I could drive. Uh, the Jarrett. Uh, Jarrett well, wait, wait just a minute. You said every week you got older? <laughs> yeah, every week. Every week I got older. I meant as I got older, every week the Jarrett's TV. <laughs> Cut it out. Every week the Jarrett's run their ad for their wrestling school on TV. And, you know, if you want to be a professional wrestler, come down to Nashville, uh, uh, the Nashville Fairgrounds of Jarrett Wrestling. 
And then I was like, man, I would love to do that. But I've never even been out of, out of Indiana. So Nashville, Tennessee, that's a different country. How do I get down there? Now, so, are you playing sports too in high school? Or were you doing this? Yeah, I was, I was a pretty, pretty athletic individual. I played basketball, baseball, ran track. And uh, that's pretty much all we had at my high school. We didn't have football. We didn't have wrestling, believe it or not. It was so small. We just had the bare, the bare minimums. But uh, I was a standout baseball player, uh, basketball. I, I was okay. I was on the starting five. I played. And in track, uh, people thought I was going, going backwards. They blew me out of the water. beat me. I was, I was a turtle. And in baseball, they used, to call, they used to say I had triangles instead of wheels. And they used to call me turtle. <laughs> they say, you've got to hit it in the outfield just to hit it, just to get a single. I'm like, yeah, man, so I've been ribbed my whole life. So that's why whenever I got met with John, it was, it was no, it was no, no big deal. He ribbed me all day long. I well, Doug, I, in the four, in the football, I ran a 40 yard dash in forever. <laughs> <laughs> Still going. Where's he at? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it took a while. <laughs> But anyway, I didn't know how to get to uh, down there, so I just kind of hung up the, the – and I didn't know anybody else around where I lived that did train in wrestling. So I just kind of hung that up and continued to go to school. Uh, believe it or not, go ahead, John. Go ahead and th- get ready for this one. I'm going to feed this one to you. I was actually pretty smart. So I was I was an A-B student. <laughs> yeah, I knew he'd laugh. I was an A-B student, and I wanted to be a doctor. So I was going to school, taking all the <laughs> – yeah, okay. I'll, I'll sell that one. I <laughs> uh, know you don't. <laughs> you mean like Dr. Tom? No, no, not like Dr. Tom. Or Dr. No, no. I mean, a real doctor where I would fix people or try to anyway. And um, actually, well, what, what, what would you fix above? What, well, what, what, what do you want your specialty to be? I wanted to get into surgery. You're like Jethro Bodine. <laughs> Get into cosmetic surgery so I could fix John's head, head of hair. <laughs> See, that's not nice. That's not nice. Well, uh, and don't you bring up my toupee either. No, I didn't. I wasn't going there. Uh, Mr. Briscoe said I had to be nice. Good. <laughs> but anyway, I was going to school. Uh, we were friends uh, of family um, of Coots and Kleinert. They're a big, Dr. Kleinert um, had, uh, he was a big time hand and microscopic surgeon. Um, doctor here in, in Louisville, Kentucky. That's that's where I'm at right now. Louisville, Kentucky is where I live. And um, he got me a job at Jewish Hospital. And because I went I went to Indiana University, that's you know where I went to college, going pre med, and then uh, in Bloomington, Indiana. So I transferred. How many semesters were you at Indiana? <laughs> well, how many does it take to be a doctor? <laughs> More than that. <laughs> and, you know, all, the, all those years I went to college, I still don't have my degree. <laughs> anyway, how long does it take to get an associate's? <laughs> no, no, you know, normally to be a doctor, you, like, graduate, like, college first. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm still working on my associate's. <laughs> okay. Right. One credit at a time. Anyway, so – Come back. Still working uh, on your. Uh, excuse me, I can't hear you. You're still working on your uh, elementary school degree. You said. <laughs> no, I got that one. I got my ABC and GED and everything else. I got the diploma. I did get that. I graduated with honors. I was one of one of the guys I hung out with in in school. You, you was, were on the top of your class in high school. How many was in high school? Eight. You, you said you come from a very smart, uh, small place. Uh, 
close. That's a close number. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think my graduating class had 59 people in it. 59. So it wasn't hard to be at the top of the class, you know. But I would, all of my friends, and, and I hung around with a bunch of idiots, obviously. So they're. So did they? Hey, misery loves company, right? So, so anyway, um, we all got together after graduation. I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. We all took a picture together, me and all my buddies. And um, I always rib all these guys all the time. I go, how come I'm the only one that had that sash and had the rope and had this thing here? And, and I had National Honor Society sash. I go, oh, that's because I was the smartest one of all of us. Anyway, that's a story for another time. Uh, see, I told you I was kind of smart, John. You were making fun of me. Yeah, I'm so- I always thought you were smart. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Can't be too smart getting into wrestling business, right? <laughs> Something's wrong with us. Uh, you know, I made me lose track of what I was saying. Uh, going to be a doctor. As I was going to college and came back, my Aunt Faye started mar- or started dating uh, this wrestler, wrestler guy, and uh, it was Nightmare Danny Davis. And I grew up watching because the Nightmares was on the TV, you know, the program that I watched, USWA, Mid-South, with Jerry Lawler's Dutch Mantel, all those, you know, all those guys, all the, all the greats, you know, and, uh, and I was a big fan of, of tag team wrestling and big fan of the nightmares because they were, they were smaller and they were quick. They were good. They were entertaining. They were funny. And then when I finally got to meet Danny was at a, a Christmas, uh, uh, first time I ever met him. Um, everybody goes to my grandparents for Christmas and he was there and I, I was, I was so nervous when I finally got to, cause he was, boom, he was, jacked up back then um everything that he had down here was up here back then so he was a pretty pretty big dude and nicest guy in the world when you met him nicest guy and i i was so nervous i was coming up i was kind of shaking almost because i was kind of starstruck and everything and i, I went up and and met him. and john i'm sure you you can relate mr briscoe you can too you know when you get a fan comes up real nervous and you talk to him say hi then they won't leave you alone for the rest of the day they follow you around like a puppy that's what i did to him and i'm that he hated it that's what john's done for me for 25 years <laughs> yeah i still follow jerry around like a puppy <laughs> yeah so you're nice to him one time that's all it takes yeah well, if i could ask you how what, what were the charges that jared lawler were charging for the school back in those days I don't even I don't even remember because I didn't get that far. I just know what Danny charged me, and I think it was not enough, too much. He'd say it was not enough. I think I said it was too much. So what he charge you? Too much. <laughs> two grand. It cost me two grand. Okay, that's about what I paid. Is that what you back being? I think paid? so. Yeah, I can't remember what Brad Ryan's paid. Was that was twenty two, twenty five hundred, maybe. I don't know. Was... But back in nineteen twelve, that's that's a lot more money than it is. Today, <laughs> <laughs> it was right after Jack Johnson had won the heavyweight championship in oh 19, 1910. <laughs> <laughs> See, so you pay so it's more. You you paid more money than I did. Oh, but by it, inflation, yeah, it was like yes, yeah. it's like four million dollars by inflation. <laughs> Neither one of you paid enough. <laughs> I said, Murdoch, you, Murdoch, Murdoch used to do that to every, everybody that came in. So what he charge you? He go, two? He should have got five years in prison. <laughs> yeah. He yes. never got tired of that joke. Probably what Danny was thinking, too. Because, you know, when I started, I was, good night. I was six foot two. I weighed 160 pounds wet. I was skinny, had no business. And, and but, but he, he, Took my money, obviously. 
and then started started training because he opened a wrestling school in Louisville, Kentucky, in the West End of Louisville, which is you know the a little bit rougher part of town. And and it was just like he had just just enough room to put a little sixteen by sixteen ring in. It was a probably the hardest ring I've ever been in in my life. John, did you train in a, a concrete ring too? Probably. Yeah, yeah, same. Brad, Brad had uh, Brad Ryan was a tramp Minnesota. Same thing. He had a wall on one side that was right by it in his garage, and you, had, oh, yeah. you couldn't hit the ropes too hard. You'd knock yourself out on the wall. Well, the, the two sides. There was two walls. Two walls you couldn't hit, and the other one was just just big enough so you could walk to the restroom. And then Danny had another at the front. It was just big enough to put a desk. I mean, it was small. No, no air conditioning, no heat. I mean, it was it was awesome. It was the way you should be trained, the way I think. And then the ring was just as as hard as a concrete floor. And I got, when I got trained in, um, Danny didn't, you know, he didn't smart me up for like six months. So here I am getting in there and he had other people coming in. Cause when I first got there, he saw that I had a little bit of athletic ability. I was just, just a small guy, but I took to it like a duck to water. I picked it up like that really fast. And in my mind, I'm sitting here, I'm watching wrestling and I'm in here training all this and something just doesn't seem right. I'm getting thrown into the, uh, this just doesn't seem right to me. And I'd go and try and talk to Danny. He'd go, oh, you're doing good, kid. Just keep doing what you're doing. And then he'd have me come in and um, um, I guess you would call it a private session. He'd say, come here, kid. I got somebody here I need you to work out with. So, okay. And uh, we'd get, he'd get me in there and I'd get in there and I would get stretched. Oh, man, I would get stretched. And I think he was just trying to, uh, to see how tough I was or trying to run me off or whatnot, but I didn't do it. And I mean, there's times here I almost passed out, you know, almost got my limbs broken, but I, I, I stuck it out. And then uh, the day he finally smartened me up, we got into the ring, we got into the ring. And he goes, okay, kid, show me how you sell a, a punch to the gut, punch to the stomach. And I did it. And I was, oh, oh, and went like it. Oh, that's not bad, kid. That's not bad. And I got all relaxed, right? And I was like, okay, and waiting for some instructions. I mean, out of nowhere, John, you probably got trained like this too. And probably you too, Mr. Briscoe, out of nowhere, he turned and he punched me in the stomach so hard. I he, he, I know he had to felt my spine. He hit me so I went down. I, I about puked. I think I pissed my pants. I know I shit myself. Had to. And then I, I couldn't breathe. And he goes, that's how you do it, kid. Good job. And then, you know, and Danny used to like to drink old Milwaukee's best beer. Worst beer on the planet, I think, other than Coors Light. Uh, um, so <laughs> I got nothing on that, John. <laughs> yeah, I'm just ignoring you. They liked old <laughs> Milwaukee because it was a dollar a case. <laughs> exactly. And then so he sat down. We had a, a case of uh, old Milwaukee and another couple of guys. That and was, I remember when a lady in Alabama told you one time, buy me a beer. <laughs> yeah, we'll and get to that one. We'll get I, the best beer in the planet. And we'll get to that story, John. Oh, my goodness. That was I got a couple of good ones with, with you. That'll be fun <laughs> to tell. Um <laughs> Uh, get, you get me all lost. I get ADHD. So da Danny's, dating your, Danny's dating your aunt at this time also? He's married to her by this point. They're married. And he opened a wrestling school because he wanted to get off the road and be home and be with his uh, – be with, be with Aunt, Aunt Faye. And she was wanting him home. And and he was wanting to settle down. And, and he had these plans of, you know, eventually opening OVW, Ohio Valley Championship Wrestling. That was his uh, end game. So we had to start by building, obviously, the school and, and students and stuff like that. So, and then I guess since I had a little bit of talent or, or some athletic ability, I don't know if I had talent, but athletic ability, he was kind of making me the, the I guess, the, the baby face. 
of the territory, which he did. And then he got me my first job when I was ready, got me my first job with USWA, which I don't think I had any business being there because I was so skinny, so skinny. But, you know, Randy Hales, I think Danny may have contacted Randy Hales and maybe, you know, Jerry Lawler and, you know, maybe uh, Jerry Jared and asked him to if you give my nephew a job. And I had to uh, make a decision because <clears throat> I'm still going to school to try to be a doctor, right? So I had to make a decision. Do I quit college and chase my dream or do I just do this on the weekends as a hobby for fun and, and continue college? Well, I decided to quit college and go chase my dream. So, and, then, <clears throat> and now I'm here with you guys. <laughs> so that's how close you were to being Dr. Bash. That is about as, yes, that's how close, that's how lucky everybody is that I didn't become a doctor. So what did your, your parents think about this? What did uh, your uncle think about this? Quitting college and. Well, let me tell you the conversation I had with my dad. It was not good. <laughs> sat down with dad because he's proud. My son's going to college. Probably one of the only Bashams, the whole Basham family going to college, especially to be a doctor. So I finally, and he's proud of me and everything. And, you know, he's telling everybody, my son's going to be a doctor, blah, blah, blah. So I sat down with him one day and. I go, dad, I gotta have a conversation with you. And he's, all right, sounds everything all right. You okay? Money, got money, need anything? No, 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 I'm good, I'm good. I go, um, <clears throat> I want to quit college and be a wrestler. <laughs> That's how it was. And then I didn't get, a, I didn't get to get a word in edgewise after that. I got, <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. And I mean, he just let me have it, let me have it big time. But I, I quit college and went and went and became, uh, chased my dream. And, you know, when I do something, I go all the way. And when I became when I became successful at wrestling and, you know, got to meet guys like you, Mr. Briscoe, and, and get tied up with John, uh, my dad was pretty proud of me with the career that I had. And I, I was, I'm pretty happy with my career, the way everything worked. So there you go. He was happy in the end. Well, when you quit college, what, what was the first thing you did? After you quit college, then what, what did you do? Did you go straight well, John, to the territory? John, when you quit college, Indiana University, grade point average overall went up like a half a point. <laughs> they, they gave him a cash out deal on, on, on withdrawing from school. <laughs> I, I was yet to break a 2.0, though, Jerry. So <laughs> okay. they were glad to see me leave. <laughs> Get out of here. Got your money. First thing I did is, is uh, John, I, I hit the road. I was lucky enough to hit the road and, and get tied up with a guy named Nature Boy Buddy Landell, and I drove him all around everywhere and, uh, from Louisville up to picked him up in uh, Corbin and drove all over. And you, I mean, I got to ride with some, you know, Dream Machine, Troy Graham. I mean, I Wildfire, Tommy Rich. I got to ride up and down the road. Dutch Man, I got to ride up and down the road with some, some of these guys, and they shared stories and uh man it, it, that yeah, so you left rural indiana and got to drive all those great places that uh, like louisville kentucky and then and, and, and tennessee and go all those all those big places <laughs> oh, 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 big yeah. I, I went to some doozy of places i'm like <laughs> where am i and back then we had maps we didn't have gps <laughs> right so i'm sitting here you Did know you ever like, learn how to fold the map that you were going to be a doctor that must have been an easy thing. <laughs> I did learn you don't read a map while you're driving. I did learn that real quick. <laughs> you got to pull off the side of the road. But he's a very, very one of them riding down the road, reading a map. Barry used to do the, the gimmick where he would get the newspaper and he cut a little bit of hole in it. And like he was the passenger uh, with the newspaper up like this 
where he could yes. see, and I would be the driver, and I'd lay back my head like I'm asleep, and Barry would be driving from the from the, from the pasture side, but he had the newspaper up. Guys would come by and honk at us, and I'd be asleep. <laughs> but, oh, man, I remember, uh, you know, one time I was you – know, I mean, it was a six-hour trip from Memphis, uh, and Monday night is when Memphis uh, had their, their house shows. So you would go – Drive all the way to drive all the way to Memphis, and that night, and then drive all the way back to Louisville because Louisville Gardens in, in Louisville, Kentucky, was the next day. And I remember coming home, and I, I was driving by myself, and uh, I, I was just cruising on down the road. And then uh, Wildfire Tommy Rich and, and Doug Gilbert passed me, and then slowed down. And Tommy was looking at me. He goes, "Roll your window down. Roll your window down." <clears throat> I roll my window down. And I'm looking, and as I, I roll it down, I go, "What's going on?" He had a beer, he shook it up and he cracked it and threw it, went right through my window, zipped past me. And I had beer cans going all over the car and everything like that. And I'm like, what the car's going like this? And he's he, Tommy's going, he, he, he's laughing like that and took off down the road. And the next day he goes, kid, you got that beer still? <laughs> Inside of my car smells like a brewery, man. I, I couldn't drive 80 miles an hour. I had to go to the speed limit. Hey, did you hear the story when Butch Reed beat up Buddy Lendell several times when he wrecked his car? No, this is a good Oh, story. yeah. So, you know, buddy, buddy, hey, baby. You know, yep. he's always combing his hair, you know, and stuff. So, Butch Reed gets like a Lincoln, a brand new Lincoln, and he looks up at a red light and he sees Buddy Lundell coming, combing his hair in the mirror, and he rear ends Butch Reed in his brand new car. So, Ooh. Butch gets out and beats the hell out of him. <laughs> you know, buddy's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, after that, Guys would try to get Butch drunk, and they'd say, "Hey, there's Buddy. Remember when he wrecked your car?" And, and Butch would be all drunk, go beat him up again. He beat up Buddy like three or more times. <laughs> Poor Buddy. Poor Buddy. But I, Buddy was the best, wasn't he? Hey, I, baby. He, uh, he, he. I was asking him because he could always chop really good. At least I thought he could. Oh my God, could he? He'd, uh, leave, he'd leave fingerprints, a whole handprint on you. I asked him, I said, will you, will you show me how to chop? And he go, and this was when on the loop, there was a battle Royal. He goes, okay, baby, you come get me in the battle Royal. And I'll show you how to chop. I go, all right. So I came and got that. We had the battle. Royal. I came and got him. He took me over and go, all right, baby, look, you stand here. And he chopped me so hard. I go, Oh God. Okay. He goes, hang on, kid. You get that. I go, yeah, yeah. Got it. He goes one more time. Just make sure you got it. Wow. Pop me again. And I'm, I'm buckling at the knees and I'm going, Oh my God. He goes, okay, kid, turn me around and give me one. So I turned him around went wound up he poked me i turned me around pow you got a kid and he walked off how long did it take you to get out of daddy school and 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 you know you weren't always smarting up at the time so when they decided to put you in the ring what was the process of that all right when he finally smartened me up after we were drinking old milwaukee's best beer and uh, he finally told me the, the deal and i just sat there and was like that's what i thought okay it was probably that was it was six months in because the two guys that were, were there, Danny was helping to train, uh, worked in a little little town called Central City, Kentucky, and they were wanting to take me on the road with them. And it was it was like maybe that next weekend. So six months in, I had my first my first match, and I remember I forgot everything when it comes to that match. Only thing I could and I was covered up. I was wearing a mask, and I was I think I was the. Texas hangman or something like that. I was wearing blue jeans and uh, I look like, I look like Bradshaw with a mask on basically. Good looking like, guy. <laughs> Cause the mask is on. <laughs> 
So, and then I was so nervous, so nervous. I couldn't remember how to do anything. The only thing I could remember to do was a headbutt. So I'm sitting there shaking in my boots. They go to tag me in. I come in and the guy's talking to me and I just, I just out of, out of nowhere, just go, wham, it was a shoot headbutt. And I'm like, Oh God. And I went to do it again. I shoot headbutt again. The guy's like, get tag out, tag out, get, get, get Troy back in here. So that was my first experience in uh, my first wrestling match ever. Um, <laughs> Nearly killed the guys and myself. Shoot headbutts. So how did you get a job to begin with? Like when you first quit college, how'd you how'd you get a job to go somewhere? Did you already have connections and that was why you quit college? Danny, Uncle Danny, I guarantee you, I, I wouldn't have been able to get a job as skinny as I was, as small as I was. I, I didn't look like a professional wrestler then. I looked like a looked like a basketball player, basically, a six foot two skinny. And if it wasn't for Danny going to bat for me and getting me that opportunity. I don't know if it would have happened. I would have had to, you know, grow and get bigger and, and claw. And I, I owe my whole career to Danny. You know, he trained me, trained me well. And then, you know, he brought in, you know, Jim Cornette came in and, and helped me with, uh, with other stuff. And then there's another guy that I actually can't say enough about that really helped me a lot with psychology and how to tell stories in the ring guy, but you guys may know this, this guy, Rip Rogers. Help me. And he, people can say what they want to say about him. He, he is who he is, but that guy. We love Rip on this show. Rip came Yeah, we love him. Taught me a lot. I can't say enough good stuff about Rip. Can't say enough. He, he taught me a lot, man. And I, I learned the hard way with him. You <laughs> when think? I did, when I did something wrong. Wow. <laughs> you think? I, I got told about it. Yeah. You learned a new Probably some new words that you'd never heard in med school, right? Well, there was one word that he used over and over and over again. It started with an F. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You guys may have got – I don't know how many times you guys had to bleep on your all show when he was on, but I guarantee you that was the number one word. It still is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I just, I just did, I think he's got a podcast. I just did his podcast not too long ago and he'd go on a rant and, and, and sure enough, every other word, and I was just sitting there laughing. You know, there's something about guys like him and Cornette and when they go on a rant, it's a coherent rant and it's, it actually makes sense. It's, it's like really, it's really good. It's really long and it's really entertaining. Always, every time, every time, man. And I always enjoy listening to Rip go off on stuff it's funny it's entertaining not fun it's entertaining yeah he, he he is one of the most entertaining guys there is when he goes on a rant it's just it's like you know teacher you know in high school that you want to get mad enough to do something that they like they stand on the desk or something they get really mad you want to get them on the desk you want to get ripped into a rant because it's so entertaining <laughs> i wouldn't dare i wouldn't dare stir the pot either on that on the podcast i didn't i didn't wind him up <laughs> of course not no that's Don't, not me so after Tennessee, how, you ended up in Smoky Mountain. Is that right? No, uh, Danny called um, Jimmy and was because I was the USWA. I was so small and I was just so little and I needed to go away and gain some weight. They kind of just phased me out. And that's when and Danny was trying, he was starting to run, run shows. And he called him uh, the Nightmare Danny Davis School of Professional Wrestling. So he was starting to run shows and Danny was okay with me not going on the road because I got on the road, got some TV exposure, and I was over at the Louisville Gardens advertising the the school and the shows that he was starting to have. So I kind of worked under Danny's, you know, the umbrella of Danny and doing shows all around Louisville. 
And then uh, while all that was going on, he was starting to, had the, the, uh, he wanted to create Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, And he did that in the process and started running shows and then opened the company. And then at that time that I had some time to pack on, pack on a little bit of size, not, not much. Um, Probably gained, gained about 20, 25 pounds and was the baby face for the company. And, um, other people were coming in. Let's see what else. And then I, I would, I would work some Indies, you know, local Indies around. Um, but mainly uh, I just stayed with Ohio Valley wrestling and, and worked for Danny. And um, he pretty much, you know, pretty much took care of, pretty much took care of me. Like, like I said, and I, I owe Danny a lot. For, was that when he was opening up his school and all that, when he's building all that? Yeah. He opened up that school first and then from the school went to Ohio Valley wrestling and still had the, still had the school. And then Jim Cornette came in and brought the developmental territory with, and then all those guys that uh, the WWE hired and brought on came to Louisville. Like, you know, you, the, the Cena and Batista. Um, you're part of that. Were you part of that fantastic uh, crew that they had in there? Yeah. Uh, and and at, that, at that time when that, that all, they all came in, I think I had been, you know, people say oh, I've been in the business for 20 years but you work one day a month. So that's 12, 12 days a year. You've not been in the business for 20 years. You've been in the business, not even a year, but I had been around the wrestling and um, for, a, for eight, for seven or eight years, I was, I made sure that I was in the ring at least four times a week, whether it be training and then TV and then Ohio Valley house show. So um, I was getting a lot of, a lot of experience. And then when those guys came in, I had about seven or eight years experience. So um Danny was using me, Nick Dinsmore, Rob Conway, and Danny Basham, uh, Danny, to help train these guys uh, to get them ready to, to move up. So, yeah, I was a part of that, that uh, I guess you could, that class because I, I got under contract and basically I, I don't want to say I trained them. I didn't train them. I worked with them um, and helped them, hopefully helped them. You're being How'd trained you basically with- the same time they were being trained, though. That must have been the side because so much talent in there and the- – even at an early age, you had to see, man, these guys are good. These guys are going to make it. Though. What a class I'm, I'm involved. I didn't say that about all of them. <laughs> some of them didn't make it. But, yeah, you, you could tell when some of these guys came in, they were so naturally gifted, naturally gifted. And, like, when Cena, you know, he came in, he was just that that big, big dude. But he was so entertaining. He kind of had that it factor when it comes to promos and stuff like that. You know, his wrestling was a shits, but you know he can. He got better as as it went on. And the guy that surprised me the most was Randy Orton. And when he came in, he was a he was a skinny fat kid. He just was was lazy. He just uh, I'm just here to because I don't know what else to do. You know, he's just a young kid, and you know he was he was okay at wrestling, and then all of a sudden he just flipped the switch and. Oh, one of the best, one of the best workers in in the business now. I think the kid really surprised me. You mentioned, you mentioned John. Uh, I, those of us that are fortunate enough to know John backstage, John's always been a very entertaining guy. When he first came in, that that was he like that backstage, or was he the guy that kind of kept the locker room loose, or did kind of kind of tell us his demeanor for that time? Now, John was always a good guy. You know, when everybody comes, a lot of them, when they would come to Ohio Valley, they come in and they're kind of to themselves and they, you know, see how the locker room is. And 
ease their personality and ease yourself into the locker room because that's just, that's just what you do. And uh, he would uh, crack jokes and he was funny. He was quick witted and he was, he was very entertaining and he kind of won, won, won everybody over with uh, promo days. We have promo days and he'd get up there and he could just cut a promo for, for hours on end. And I remember he cut a promo about uh, midget go-kart racing and it was so entertaining and he mixed it into wrestling somehow. I don't know how he did it, but I never laughed so hard in my life. And from that point on, you know, everybody always wanted him to cut promos. And uh, Jim Cornette saw that and saw something there. And John and John's John now, you know, again, like I said, but his wrestling was a shit, but <laughs> you don't have to be the best wrestler. Speaking of go-karts, uh, uh, one time in South Africa, John nearly – killed me on a go-kart on purpose on purpose what? he tried to team on me but he couldn't catch me <laughs> i actually hit him at one point and landed on top of his golf on his go-kart a golf <laughs> cart wait a minute it was a golf cart or go-kart go-kart whatever it was yeah we were we were in like pretoria south africa and we found this go-kart race and so me and jerry are out there in these go-karts tony Garia's out there a bunch of guys and I'm trying to hit Jerry in my go-kart. And the guy's screaming at me, going, no, no, don't wreck my carts. Don't wreck my carts. I finally got drove through one of the barriers and got injured. <laughs> the bells of haze were more like <laughs> that. It went everywhere. And, and, Brad, and JB's going, I love the throttle stuck. It's, I can't slow down. The brakes don't work. <laughs> steering's broke. I can, I can see it now. Typical Texan, they never could catch the Oki, you know. <laughs> oh, you guys too much. I, you guys just, so did you guys get kicked out of that place? <laughs> yeah. We didn't get a you know, second. We got the whole company <laughs> from it. <laughs> You know, speaking of entertaining, uh, one of my favorite on your this show here, one of my favorite episodes that you guys, I mean, all of them are, are great and good, but one of my favorite episodes that you guys did was the QA with uh Taylor Williamson. Yeah, he's he's I'm actually I'm a huge fan of America's Got Talent. I don't think I've ever missed a show or an episode. And when watching him being on there, because uh, when he he came in second place, got beat by uh, the, the girl anyway. It'll come to me. Uh, Tourette's here in a minute. It'll come out. But he got beat. But he, um, they had America's Got Talent on the road. And whenever they came to Louisville, I made sure I bought a ticket because um, I was a huge fan, huge fan of his because I always thought he was super funny. So I, I was, I really was uh, entertained by the the segment or the episode you guys had with him. That was hey, pretty. Taylor's cool. so funny. Taylor's be, uh, become. I, I met Taylor. Uh, we're doing a rose for uh, Bruce Pritchard. And Taylor was, was one of the Hollywood writers they brought in to, to, to write the host and kind of uh, <laughs> write the script and everything. He was so funny then, I just became friends with him because he liked knocking Bruce, you know, and that's one of John's favorite things to do. So do we. Yeah. <laughs> I say, that's probably not, that's not hard to do. <laughs> I got, Taylor invited me to like a retirement ceremony for a general here in, in a D.C. And he was the, the, the entertainment for the night. And he got up there, and I mean, it was it was a tough room. I mean, they were just kind of there to have some drinks and just kind of, you know. And all of a sudden, this stand-up comedian gets up there without really any warning, and it was he got everybody. It was awesome, and he he was he he, he bashed a couple of guys in in the uh, in the audience, and every by the time he's done, bashed bashed a couple of guys. Yeah, yeah. Sell your t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> 
by the time he got done, he had the whole crowd. I mean, they they loved him. You know, he's he's awesome. Uh, he, he's super funny, man. Where can, where can we buy your damn T-shirt? Oh no, you don't have to buy it. Actually, guys, you guys are in 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 luck because John, I got your size right here. I got it backed up professionally. Yep, and I want to send these to you guys. And, and Mr. Briscoe, I know you're still in good shape and go to the gym, so I got your size here too. Thank I want to I want to send you guys these, so you'll have to. Yeah, yeah. what? Hey, <laughs> hey, Doug, Ron, Ron, I saw Ron this past week, and he goes, you lost weight? I said, yeah, mainly in my arms and neck. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Briscoe said I had to be nice, John. <laughs> <laughs> hey Doug, when you get an opening like that, you gotta I'm take it. So hard. You gotta take when you get an so hard. <laughs> oh, because I just want to get I want to be on here and just go, but you know, I'll keep it PG 13. Try anyway. But yes, yeah, I got these for you guys. I'm sending these to you, but you gotta promise me you gotta wear them on an episode for me. Well, damn right, we'll wear them. All right. And you can get them on my website for uh twenty dollars at Doug the Doug Basham. <laughs> We'll get to all that so how did Danny Basham become your brother? Danny, oh, here's, here's a story. Me and Danny were, we tagged together in OVW for the longest he time. He was a lot better looking than you. <laughs> better worker, too. He's he young. wasn't head show, was he? What's that? <laughs> what? He wasn't head show with you, was he? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, Danny, here's something nobody knew about Danny. Danny, he was, he was. He kind of scared me a little bit because when he was training to wrestle and all that, he kept a machete in the trunk of his car. And I don't know why. Why somebody keep a machete in the back of their car? I don't know. He never, never told me why. And I never really asked. I didn't want to be on the wrong end of the machete. But um, that's just something about Danny. But we, um, Jim Cornette put us together and tagged us in OVW for the longest time. And we developed a group of the revolution and I bet in OVW, I was known as the machine, Doug Basham, and he was the damager. I don't know what a damager is. I don't even know what that means. I think it's some rap stuff because he liked that rap music. But uh, so and then we just become really good friends. And just like, you know, you and Ron, JB, you just just gel. And you just be, we got to so good together. We could just sit there and look and give a nod and, and or a wink and know what, what each other wanted, you know, and, you know, he, he and I become really good friends and just like, you know, in, in Mr. Briscoe, when you travel up and down the road, you're with that person more than you are your family. They're kind of like your road wife or your, your road husband, whatever you want to call it. You're married to them and spend more time with them. And we just, they just became super, super good friends. And I feel so bad for him because I, I've got him into some, situations he probably didn't need to be in because he was guilty by association john you know what i'm talking about can you share some <laughs> what's that can you share some of those situations <laughs> well yeah i share one of them <laughs> uh and, and this right here is is a, a tribute to all the veterans in the locker room you know uh and it was a scary situation for me and it really made me uh open my eyes and set up straight and poor Danny, he was guilty by association because he was my partner. Um, at, at one time, sometimes you get young guys, they come into the locker room and they're overzealous and they want it right now. And they want to do this and they want to do that and just pushing too hard. And sometimes you just got to wait your turn. You know, it's not your time, wait your turn. And uh, I'm very thankful that a lot of the, uh, 
veterans in the locker room like John and and, and uh, let's see who I was. Man, everybody was our taker. Uh, Kishi, oh man, uh, Bob Holly, Billy Gunn, um, all the veterans on on SmackDown. And I think we were in Australia, I think, or Germany, Australia. I can't remember. And uh, Australia, Australia. <laughs> I remember. Yes. And uh, there's this, uh, Mr. Briscoe, you know this, and probably people watch him, but there's this thing called the hot seat, and you don't want to be in it. <laughs> and if you are in it, you better shut up and listen <laughs> and, and poor danny i'm sitting and sitting in the seat and all all the veterans were were um you know talking to me and i was listening trust me and poor danny's sitting right there getting you know residual heat and so uh there's there's a story i'll just leave it that will stop there we'll just leave it at that <laughs> well, I, i'll tell you what happened later was i i uh, made it i mitigated the problem in the in the hotel with uh chavo and eddie guerrero <laughs> so <laughs> That, that's the story you were telling me earlier, right? That's John? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't remember what happened. You guys had something in the ring that went, went awry, you know, whatever happened. And, and I see Chavo and Eddie, and, <laughs> and I, I think a fisticuff match is probably about to happen. So I went out and said, guys, can we do something to, <laughs> to settle this down just a little bit? So I sat there and talked to them a while, and finally they, they kind of came off the ledge and. You know, not that Guerrero's love to fight or anything. <laughs> what I find amusing, uh, uh, Doug, is, is JBL becoming a mitigator on, on something like this. If he's mitigating, oh, my God. <laughs> That's true. Oh I don't – it was late at night. I don't remember what time, but I look out and I see Chavo and Eddie. They were <laughs> they were headed toward you guys, I think. And I stopped <laughs> them and said, guys, we need to – we need to settle this down just a little bit. And they end up talking to you, and everything got worked out just fine. I'm pretty sure it was something I said because I have I I had and still do to this day, and it's just me a bad habit of letting this thing not have a filter and diary of the mouth. Things come out, and I go, "Oh, whoa, wish I could take that back." Well, you know, uh, with that with that Latin temper, uh, uh, Grail was always ready to drop uh, drop 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 his gloves, you know, because him and Kurt, I mean, you know, here's an Olympic champion. And John John was involved in that one. So I, I was. was I was there that too. I was there, Eddie, I remember. When you ask Eddie, Eddie, the Olympic champion or something like that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, but they, they had gotten into a fight at Gorilla when they came back. I and I, I didn't know what happened, but you know a fight's going on in the locker room in, in the hall. You know, you, you can you can tell by what the, the noise and what those are fighting. So yep. finally, uh, Laurinaitis had gotten between uh, Eddie and uh, Kurt. Kurt was outside the dressing room. Eddie was inside it, and I was dressing right by Eddie. And Kurt, uh, Lauren had shut the door, and so that separated Kurt and Eddie. So Eddie comes back and sits down, and I could tell by the the noise that's going on that when they came back, Eddie had tried to leg dive it. And so I'm sitting there looking looking at Eddie, and he's not he's not looking at me at all. He's just looking at the door. Just mad as he could be, breathing so loud you could hear him breathe. And I'm sitting, I mean, one foot from him, and I'm just sitting there looking at him. Finally, I said, why would you leg dive a gold medalist? And without without looking at me, he goes, because I'm stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. Then he finally started laughing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was there. I remember that. I, I didn't. I didn't see it. I saw the after after effects of it. In, yeah, but, I told you later. I said, of all things, I said the guy, you know Kurt wasn't like just like really good. 
out of 8 billion people on the planet, he was the best. I mean, as in the best. He was better than 8 billion people. Don't You can punch him. Hit him with something. Don't leg dive it. He's a wrestler. <laughs> Do you remember the time, uh, with, speaking of Kurt, do you remember the time uh, Kurt and Brock got in the ring? And Mr. Briscoe, Brisco, I think you were there too, got in the ring and they were kind of going out a little bit and Vince comes and was and out and goes, are you and done? I got in trouble for that too. That was yeah. <laughs> screamed at me for three days. <laughs> yeah. After you let all that money go after each other. Oh, Millions yeah. of dollars you of pay-per-views. Right, yeah. yeah, what was that? You were a witness to that, right? Oh, yeah. I was the side of the ring, and you had everybody was around the ring watching. And Vince comes down yelling, everybody scattered. Like, everybody just took off and scattered and got left, you know, like, like a riot. It was funny. Well, it wasn't funny then, but it, it's funny now. And he was coming down yelling and screaming. Ah, good, good times. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because the boys were trying, been trying to stir that up for months. And the minute Vince comes down, nobody took credit for it. Like, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I, why would they do that? <laughs> I, I was nowhere to be found. I was gone. I was out of there. Kurt Brock had called me for months and, hey, the guys are really on me. What do we do? And I kept saying, hey, if you guys really want to go at it, you know, I'll get you a high school gym or a college gym somewhere. And that coach will be glad to have two, uh, two champions come in and work out, work out their problems and everything. But don't give the guys the satisfaction of making you on the one of you getting hurt. And sure enough, Fargo far was the place where – there's great amateur tournaments. Both of them were Fargo champions at one time. So that testosterone is running real high on both of them. And, and uh, you know, that finally the guys won out and they're in the ring and uh, they're going. <laughs> well, that was a sight to see, man. I, I was sitting there like, Ooh, this is going to be good. Kurt asked me one time, he said, hey, uh, can I ask you a question? I said, of course. Some guys are just doing some ha-ha in the ring with him. You know, not, nothing – major just kind of ribbing him but he didn't really like it and he goes what what do i do you know and he was expecting like a professional wrestling answer you know like you know something you know he's because he's asking you know the old guy me and i right. said i said you're a gold medalist <laughs> he said oh yeah and all of a sudden it occurred to him that <laughs> this oh. this could end really fast and sure yeah. enough that night I, I got all the boys i got taker i got everybody I said guys you, you, you might want to watch this and sure <laughs> enough they play a little ha ha you know sticking a thumb in him you know or something then kurt starts taking them down and and then he just quit and that was all it was all over <laughs> Some of us, it takes us a little bit to learn. Some of us, some of us, it takes a little bit to learn. <laughs> but oh, when it comes down to it, man. So you, you and your, your, you and your brother are in a, in a, in a Smoky Mountain with with Jim Cornette. And who were some of your your nemesis at that time? Uh, well, we didn't we didn't make it to Smoky Mountain. Uh, Smoky Mountain uh, dissolved before we even I even had a chance to get there. Danny made a phone call to Jimmy right after I got finished release from USWA or they kind of was finished with me, but Jimmy was, I guess at that time, the, the, the history is just money ran out and he was getting ready to dissolve the company. And then um, Danny started OVW and then Jimmy, I guess went up to WWE and worked there for a while and then brought that here. So I never really got to work um, in Smoky Mountain. I wish I would have, that would have been amazing and great, great experience. What a great territory Jimmy built yeah. up there. I mean, it was a small territory that all the towns were popping. He had fantastic talent going, going through, fantastic storyline, and a great TV show. Too. Hey, I'll uh, put a caveat on this to begin with, because 
I love Cornette. I love Jimmy. I always have. I've gotten along with Jimmy since the first day I met him. And so so does Jerry. What do you think? What do you think about uh, working with Jimmy? Well, I knew who he was when he first came in and all that. And then I knew him and Danny were 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 friends too. Uh, but I, I didn't know how to take him when he first came in because he's you know he's he looks like he looks and you know he's smart and he's in there trying to teach and then all of a sudden he goes off on the rails he goes out and grabs a baseball bat he hits windows and breaks windows and then he breathes real heavy and he comes turns dip, you know five different shades of red and he comes he calms down and then he sits there and talks to you and he and he always talks like it's the same all the time isn't he? you know he had the same pitch all the whole time and then I just didn't quite know how to take him at first and I'm like man what who who is this guy <laughs> what is wrong with him but the more he was around and more i got to learn or, or be around jimmy he, he he knows his stuff he knows his stuff um and then i just just learned from him you know jimmy people can say what they want to say about him he, some people like him some people hate him some people hate to like him some people love to hate him i'm one of those guys i'm glad i got to uh, be around him get to know him and i'm one of those guys that love him so yeah, I'm one of those guys that love to love him, man. He, he what a brilliant guy he is. And I, you know, I'm fortunate I've been around Jimmy a lot and real close, uh, you know, working, working backstage with him in, at the WWE. He is a brilliant man when it comes to this business and, and a brilliant man outside the business, too. It, yes. It, and I've had the opportunity to actually spend some time with him outside. Uh, I've been to his house. I don't know how many people know I've been to his house or not, but he doesn't let too many people there. I've been to the Castle of Cornette. And it's amazing. He's got this place up in his attic, and it's all kinds of wrestling memorabilia. It's I've seen pictures of that. Can you awesome. describe it? And the pictures I've seen, it's kind of like a walk of, of history. You just walk oh. straight one end. It's uh, the ancient history. By the time you get the other end, it's a WrestleMania and all the showbiz. Oh, it, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, if you're a, a wrestler like like we are, or even a even a fan. You'd walk in there and just be in awe. But we, well, if you guys ever got to go there and look at all this history and stuff he's got put everywhere, you would just, you'd sit there and just, it would just, you'd be in awe. I could. Well, what know. has he got? Like a lot of posters, pictures? What has he got? Posters, pictures, articles, magazines, you name it. He's got it all. Um, things from it's all original, Don. Everything's original to him. Yes. He's got everything that he's ever been a part <laughs> of. It's, it's in, of course, I think he's may have made some copies of stuff too. And he, he's got every uh, every um, program that he's ever been a part of or show and all that. It's just he's just got a wealth of history there. It's it's amazing. And the guy's got a memory. He doesn't forget anything. You can ask yeah, him right. something, 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 he'll pop it up like that. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. You remember back in the 90s when they were they're in the Attitude Era when they'd have Jimmy just go on a rant just for no reason. Remember that, Jerry? They'd have Jimmy just going yeah, around. And they'd, they'd just film him. And for like four or five minutes, he would just go on a ramp by himself about something. And it was it was Or awesome. about nothing. Or about nothing. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. Or about nothing. So we need five minutes to kill Jimmy. Go, go Literally, go. he was so good. They said, okay, Jim, just go in there and go on a ramp. And, and we're going to film it. And we're going to put it on television. And he'd do it and nail it like that. Oh, I mean, he was awesome. Dropping he, the hat. He wouldn't miss a beat. Jerry, you you want to hear a story about the first time I met JBL? Please, please tell me. Oh, first time I ever met JBL was down in Ohio Valley Wrestling. Right, he came in and he was rehabbing your uh, you. I guess you broke your. Would you break your forearm or? No, I tore my bicep. Tore his oh, bicep. Those many injuries he had back when he. <laughs> 
Jordan Bicep. And here he is, this this big rugged looking Texan, right? He comes in and he's just kind of owns the locker room because you know it's just his personality. And he and Dan, did you know Danny before you did you know no. Danny before? That's the first time you ever met Danny? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have known Mr. Briscoe because JBL comes in there and he and Danny just like I yeah. thought they knew each other from I way love Danny. Oh, I mean, they just whatever. And I don't know what the hell Danny told JBL to do to me, but I think Danny, Danny must have like, get, he must have got off on seeing me just get the crap beat out of me, I guess. I don't know. But the first, and I, I remember the first time we had to get in there with JBL, I was like, oh man, this guy, because everything he did looked, everything you did, John, uh, it looked, it just looked, it looked all, like you were killing people. And here I am nervous, going to get in there and work with the guy. And I, the clothesline from hell, it, it just looked like you just rip, take, you just, you just kill people, kill them. And I remember, because I don't think I ever told you this, I never would, but I can now because I don't think you'll ever <laughs> get your hands on me again. But <laughs> <laughs> I hope maybe I say that now. But I remember he's going to take that clothesline from hell and he says, look, just, just, just as soon as I hit you, disappear. If not, uh, your head will disappear from your shoulders. I'm like, well, okay. And he comes in, and it's just a shoulder, it, you know, it's just, you know, the way he does it, boom. And comes in, and when I and I was nervous all the way up to it, and I'm like, yeah. oh, well, that wasn't bad at all. Oh, I, I think I like this guy. <laughs> that was about my first experience, and then got to actually when he was, I think Ron came down with you, didn't he? To he did, yeah. And uh, and then got to ride up and down the road with with him and Ron, and got to know him a little bit. And, and here I love the guy, man. I, I, that's know a lot of my WWE career. I owe a lot. To the JBL for helping me get boosted up to where I am, and uh, I remember um, we did the uh, me and Danny did that tough enough, tough enough thing where we had to um, keep the kids from getting the flag. And just before I've told this story a couple times before, but just before and you know how we do it, they Vince gets everybody up there and they'll walk through the segment so the kids know where they're supposed to get in and out and all that, and then they leave and go. They leave and go uh, back to the back, and then me and Danny are standing in the ring, and the boss comes up to us, and he goes, boys, you see that flag over there? We're like, yep. You see where that, what that, what's uh, embroidered on that turnbuckle? You know, WW, yep. You're representing the company tonight. We were like, oh, shit. <laughs> he goes, short of killing anybody, short of killing those kids or putting them in the hospital, you do not let them get that flag. <laughs> Vince, you know, pop on the shoulder, and he walks off. And I turn to Danny and I go, "Did we just get put on notice?" <laughs> <laughs> so then you build a mop, right? Uh, and JB, I don't think you you didn't, but uh, you may have, but I don't think I remember because I was so worried about losing my job if they got that flag. But build a mop that whole day. Oh man, he was stirring that pot and got me and Danny so wound up that we were, we were going to, we were going to kill anybody that got anywhere close. So um, we were fortunate enough that, you know, we stopped the guys from getting, getting the flag. And, and then uh, JBL uh, was it, was it you and undertaker you was it both of you guys, or it was just you went to, went to Vince and said, you know, we'll put these boys in harm's way or something like that. That's what I heard. I don't know. Yeah. It's information I got. And then, and then we got put with the cabinet. So, you know, i can't thank you enough, John, for doing that for us because that put us on the the map here and really put us on the map in WWE. I, I yeah, was you know, and you know what a what a what a tough position that is to be in. 
because you don't know these guys. I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe one of them is, you know, some world champion something. You well, don't Daniel know. Peter. Peter. Part of, right? Well, there was a couple of them that were strong as hell. I mean, strong. And then we were, you know, and in, 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 in what we do, all, all this is built for show, not really for go, right? And so we were grabbing these guys and exerting a whole bunch of energy in our, our arms, and, and we were we were we were wore out. And by the time it got down to Pewter, the very last guy, the only reason he got as close as he did is because me and Danny, we were gassed. We were we were gassed, but we were not. Danny broke his orbital bone. I think I broke my. I had a broken tooth and stuff and all that. Really? It, it was a shoot. Nothing about that was a was was. <laughs> nothing about that was a work was a work it was a straight up shoot but you know we tell us this uh you're 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 labored in and and uh and these territories it was without much going on what 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 precipitated the call and how did you guys feel and what 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 really set you off at you know to get that call to uh, to be called up yeah, well, we of course we were in developmental there for the longest time, and and watching all these other guys get moved up before us, and it was frustrating. And that was a frustrating thing to be a part of, sitting there for a year and a half, and you know, knowing I'm ready, I'm I'm ready. Give me the call. You're basically, if you see these guys that came in and didn't know nothing, all of a sudden they're they're getting up and they're getting the opportunity to, to make a payday. Yeah, that, that was frustrating. I, I ain't going to lie. That was very frustrating to, to see somebody who come in and only been doing this for a year, maybe a year and a half. And then, But you know what? It goes back to what Rip Rogers always said. Wrestling doesn't owe you anything. It does not owe you anything. And when you get your opportunity, just make sure you're overqualified and overprepared, which is what me and Danny were. And then um, I, think I, got, I got called up. I had a match with Chris Benoit in – OVW and uh, Jim Ross was there and uh, we, we tore the house down, you know, had a really, really good match. And Chris was very, very generous with giving me stuff and working with me. And then that Jim Ross was there and saw that and got me called up to get a good look. And I did, did some, did some loops. And then Jim Cornette was constantly pushing for me and Danny to get, get brought up as a tag team. So they brought Danny up too and tried us out uh, as a tag team together and then uh, I think we just worked worked the loop, and then we were sitting in catering one day, and I think it was Pensacola, Florida. We were sitting in catering, and, and Johnny Laurinaitis came up to us and said, "Boys, we're going to debut you tonight." And we just went, "Huh?" <laughs> I mean, we were excited, yeah, absolutely. But we, we had were, no clue that was the, that was the opportunity. No clue whatsoever, and we were like, "Oh, or you know, our buttholes puckered." And whoop, <laughs> okay. And they said we were going up, going out with against Keish and uh, um, Brian uh, Spanky, and then uh, we we're going to go over and figure out a finish. So, okay, great. So that always be ready because you never know, you never know when you're going to get thrown out there. So that's kind of how that happened, and then uh, we just kind of ran with it and did the best we could. You know, that's such good advice, Doug, because so many guys, you know, and Jerry knows this much better than I do because he was in the office for so long. You know, so many guys would say, hey, if you guys would sign me, you know, I'll, I'll have a reason to get in shape or I'll have a reason to get ready and stuff. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, no. you got to be ready. You got to put all the time in. And then when the call comes, you've got to be ready that second. Absolutely. And you get one chance to make a, a, a first impression. That's it. And if you don't, you know, uh, 
get back in the line. So what I tell, you know, I'm the head trainer here at OVW with Al Snow because Al purchased OVW from, from Danny. And, and now I'm the head trainer here. And that the, some of the advice that I give, give the kids that come in and, and training. And I always tell them another thing, don't be afraid to fail because if you don't, if you don't be afraid to fail, because you might accidentally succeed. So just all the stuff that I learned from guys like you, John, and guys, uh, Undertaker and, and everybody, Eddie, uh, that I learned from up there, I'm implementing a lot of that down here in OVW. And, you know, if it wasn't for me being up there and learning, being sitting under the learning tree of you guys, I wouldn't be able to give these kids that kind of advice. So it's, you know, I'm very thankful for, for my career and the guys that I met. You know, it's so it's so important. I, I tell people all the time, you you were with me when the wrestling god name was created. <laughs> you know, we were yeah. backstage having a couple of drinks, and all of a sudden they said, "I forget what happened. I don't know if it's scheduled or not." They said, "We gotta we gotta have another segment because a match went short or something." You guys do a celebratory sell, se- segment backstage. It was a hundred percent ad lib. But was they that when we, had the champagne and we were all sitting there and <laughs> bottles going everywhere and? <laughs> Try to squirt you with the champagne bottle. That's right. There's, yeah, you guys were ribbing me, squirting you with the champagne. <laughs> In the face and everything. And then that's when the whole wrestling God thing came about. Just you, you're the one that brought it up first. It just it's happened. And, and next thing you know, <laughs> that's what the whole catchphrase was. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about that, what like he's saying is, is so right. You got to try stuff. You know, you got to be willing to have fun and be entertaining. And if you fail, so what? That's just as important sometimes as succeeding because you put that in the bag too and go, well, that didn't work. I know yeah. not to go there. I know Learn to from. go here. Yep. Learn from it. Like I did. I learned something very, um, very uh, from John. I learned that when you are invited to come to his house in New York, his penthouse suite in New York to go watch a, a boxing, I think it was Mike Tyson. And was it Evander? Was it, was it that one? Was that? Anyway, John invited me and Orlando uh, Jordan to come to his penthouse suite and watch Mike. Tyson. I, heard, I heard that story, but it wasn't a penthouse that you that you went to. Oh, it wasn't. Well, is that right? <laughs> well, let me finish the story. Well, it's better from you, though. Well, I'm going to say it's a penthouse because I've never been to a penthouse. And I don't know. I just knew it was a big building and it had a doorman. And I've never lived anywhere that you had a doorman. And I'm like... How soft is it? How soft is it? He had a doorman to it. A doorman. He had a doorman, and he had to buzz you in, and he comes in, and where you at? He married. He married well, Doug. He's at. He's at the very top. Elevator's broken. Of course. Very top. Anyway, so we. I get up there, and I finally get to the thirty-second floor, or however high up it was. And I go to knock on the door, boom, 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 boom. And the door opens. And I don't know if it probably tells some everybody watching here a little bit about John. He's an avid collector of Japanese um, um, swords and, and spears. Oh, yeah. There's and, my sword collection and, there. Yeah. But it's right there. See, right there it is. Okay. Yeah. And there's even a big piece of armor there. So I'm not lying. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you all, this has really happened. So I knock on the door. The door swings open. And he's got one of them big, long spears boom, at my face right there. He goes, who are you? 
I'm backing up, John, 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 John. And he up against the wall. I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he goes, you're late. Get in here. <laughs> the fight's half over. Because I, I got lost. I couldn't find. I should have known the, <laughs> the biggest building, you know, the tallest building. You, you blew up running up the stairs, right? Yeah, yeah, I, was, I had to stop and take a break. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's how John greets uh, his you know, people that he, he, he likes. At the door, so be careful. If he doesn't like you, I can only imagine what he would do. <laughs> I, I've been celebrating too. <laughs> well, and then after that, I guess I guess he wasn't finished with me. After that, he goes, "We're going to go out and, and, and grab a drink, so I got a place I want to take you guys." And, and we're like, oh, "Okay, cool, great." And you know, we're dressed. John's dressed nice. So is Orlando. I am too. We're and we are walking down the street, right? And we're walking up to this bar, and you know, there's these biker looking dudes standing out there. These big mean guys and all that and uh we go to this bar and i'm like looking around like is this where we're going <laughs> okay <laughs> we walk in and the bar is on fire it's on fire i'm like what in the world going on here i guess they pour grain alcohol and light it and then it just yeah just goes, and then <laughs> yeah people dancing up on the bar woo, like that and i was like oh <laughs> you're gonna burn uh, i guess john must have must have uh being you know the mayor of new york everybody knows who he who he is Uh, tell me that these bikers have clothes on what's that did these bikers have clothes on yes they did (laughs) yes they did Uh, the big arms sticking out and even the female bikers had had clothes on too but anyway this uh i guess the owner of the 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 bar or whatever um comes up and says hi to John and John introduces us to everybody. And all of a sudden he goes, what do you guys want to drink? And I'm sitting there and, and Orlando says, John says, and I guess I took a little too long and I, I don't, <laughs> I hope I can tell this and nobody get in trouble, <laughs> put it to my neck. I was like, he goes, what do you want to drink? I said, gasoline. If you bring it, I'll drink it. He put it, put the knife away. He was laughing at John, hitting John. John's over there laughing. I'm like, that's not funny, man. (laughs) Where did you bring me? Where did you bring me? (laughs) Anyway, we made it. But anyway, everybody there was huge wrestling fans and they love JBL and the cabinet, you know? So that's right. That's right. I never felt safer in any place in my life. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Doug, Doug looked at me, he goes, he has a knife on my throat. <laughs> I said, what I'd I order a drink. <laughs> Gasoline. <laughs> yeah. And super nice guys. Super nice they guys. Are, and they're great guys. Yeah. And, and yeah. the safest place to be in New York, by the way. I have never felt safer, Mr. Nothing's going to happen in that place. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so that's my uh, – that's my – jbl penthouse suite experience yeah first time ever uh going we were to- on a dirt floor bar in alabama one time oh it was mississippi <laughs> it was mississippi wasn't it i mean it, it could have been yes mississippi that's right that's right i don't know where we were mississippi okay here, here let me tell you this one so i think it was after it was after tv taping or was it a house show it be, yeah tv taping or a house show i don't know i'm sure which one it was yeah one of the two i can't remember either but um and we get back to the hotel um, one of the only few hotels in the area and, uh, J- JB's like, I'm hungry. We're going to, we're going to get something, some food, grab a beer or something. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to stay here. I got to, you know, call home. And, and you see JB's like, no, we're going I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go up and get ready. So I go up and just shut my door. Right. 
Well, I get up there, I make a phone call. I call the significant other at home and, and check in and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden I hear, come on, we're going. And I'm like, I'm not going. And I hear, boom, 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 come on. And I'm like, I get quiet. And then it gets quiet, Mr. Briscoe. And then I'm listening, okay? So I made the big mistake. I go to the door, I look out the eye hole, nobody there. So I crack the door open, I look that way and look that way. And I think I'm in the clear. I let go and I evidently, he must've been around the corner. He came in and stopped the door, pulls the door, JBL pulls in. I'm, I'm, he, he tackles me and splashes me on the bed and starts jumping up and down. I'm like, come on, get up, get up, get up, get up. <laughs> he throws me off the bed. I, I'm, I'm in now. So I, I get, I get dressed. So we're looking for, uh, I guess we're going out to eat, look for a restaurant or something like that. And I guess everything closes at seven o'clock at Mississippi. I don't know. Was, everything was closed, but somehow this guy here found a place and I don't know where it was, but I, I didn't know dirt road still existed in, in, in America, but it may have been lightly gravel, but it was dirt. And we're driving down. I mean, John, where are you taking us? Uh, was I drive? I think I was driving one day, either me or Orlando, but I think, I think it was me. And you were uh, navigating. Orlando was in the back, um, driving down, and in trees here. Then it just kind of opens up, Mr. Briscoe. I thought we went to a, a, a junkyard. That's where I thought we were. There was a big tin building here, and there was just a mess of cars over here. I'm like, John, where, where did you bring us? What are we doing here? So we pull in in, in, in the grass because that's where it was no there was no concrete or, or blacktop, I don't think. It was just grass. So we pull in, at least I think, John, if I'm wrong, correct me. Um, so we get out, and you have this guy here, you know, dressed in his suit and his big old Tex, Texas hat, right? You got Orlando in his Armani suit, and then I'm wearing, you know, dress pants and, and, and a sport coat, and we're walking up. And, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or say anything bad about anybody, but I think we were overdressed. I just, <laughs> and we, we walk up and we walk up and John stand at the door and saying hi to everybody. Cause he's just, he's got that big personality. And oh, who are you guys? God, I think they recognized John from, from wrestling and they recognized uh, Orlando thought he was Booker T and uh, you remember that? They did. They did. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they did. Orlando was Booker T. Booker yeah, T. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we walk in and it's it's like a dirt it's a dirt floor, and then there was a bar and there was this healthy looking woman sitting at the bar and, and <laughs> she was large. <laughs> she was healthy, and the reason she was healthy, she had this big old plate of just bones and you know bones, wings and stuff, and she had cleaned them up big time. She turned, she turned and looks at John, looks at John, looks at John, me, John. She may have been looking at both me and John. You know what I mean? And uh, she goes, looks at me and goes, buy me a bear. <laughs> that's, that's, I don't know if me and John are, we always buy me a bear. That's where that, uh, a phrase buy me a beer came from. And then uh, I think, John, I think you did buy a beer, I think, didn't you? I did, yeah. She, oh. she just kept telling me, buy me a beer, buy me a beer. <laughs> you know what? I think we ought to buy this large woman a beer. <laughs> buy her a beer. But I tell you what, you know, we went there and as, as nervous and as worried as I was pulling up to this place, we went in there and had a good time. They were the nicest people in the world. <laughs> we had fun. And we did. There was even a, a, like they had a mechanical bull there, didn't they? Yeah, sure and did. I think I got yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had, a, they had a band at the other end of the dirt floor uh, on this 
this whatever stage, I guess. And I can't remember if they were good or not. I'm sure they weren't, but it was a good time. Actually, it was a good time. Yeah. We went back to about 1950. <laughs> it was great though. We had fun. I can never, I'll never. Buy me a beer. I think Buy I'll text John every, every now and then. I'll say that. I'll just text him. Buy me a beer out, out of the blue. And this, this today, doing this today. And Jerry, we, we bought her a beer and she, she just took it. It wasn't like, thank you. Nothing. It was just, yeah, like we owed it to her. Yeah, like we owed it to her. Yeah, <laughs> we're sorry for coming into your dirt floor bar, ma'am. Yeah. And I don't know where the hell we were, Mississippi. I, I don't know. It was somewhere in Mississippi, I do believe. That's where we were. I think it was yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't Jackson. I don't know outside of Jackson. I think, but man, a lot of memories with this guy right here. And that's just a, that's just a couple of the the, the good. Well, there's there's more, but there's. Oh, there's some real That's good ones. A couple of the clean ones oh. that you can tell. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. PG thirteen, right? Yeah. yeah, we had fun literally all over the world. Literally, I remember Europe, uh, Australia, Africa. We we had we, Japan. We had a good time. We did. I owe, I owe a lot of my success and a lot of my good time stories. This guy right here. And I can't thank him enough, man. Oh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> I can't thank you guys enough. I mean, we had so much fun. You know, Orlando was with us all the time. Orlando, what a what a good guy. He just we had fun with Orlando. It was just oh, it God. was just a rolling good time. If we ever needed any type of uh, 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 creams or anything, Orlando provided that for us. He was always had some kind of skin cream. He was always putting on him. John oh yeah, always yeah, rib, yeah. Always rib him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Whatever it was, say, Orlando, I got some dry skin. Oh, here you go. Try this. And he's, he's like, he was like a mixologist. <laughs> yeah, just mix them together, put it on, you know, take your eyebrows like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who was the driver of these little expeditions? What's that? Who was the driver? Who would drive the car in these expeditions? Uh, I think it was usually me, I think. I think it was, yeah. I think I drove mostly. Because I, I felt the safest if I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> probably the soberest. Probably. If, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Oh, Jerry, man. we stopped at some of the craziest places you could ever imagine. I mean, just we would stop at the wildest places. And just, just go in. You know, uh, there also, do you remember that time Charlie Hall sat by us in an airplane? <clears throat> he uh uh well, Charlie Haas was wanting to to rib you and and ask you all kinds of questions. I forget where we were going, but the the the, the group of boys we were flying from one place. It was a big distance, so we had to fl- get on the airplane. Everybody get on the same plane, and Charlie Haas had this idea that he wanted to sit down and, and you were wanting to sleep because you were tired, right? And you and Charlie Haas was just relentless, relentless, relentless. And I had nothing to do with it. I don't think I was relentless. I think I just shut up and didn't ask you any questions. And I don't know what Charlie Haas ate that day or that night before, but about every five minutes, Mr. Briscoe, and, it, and we're on a plane. It's a tube. We're on a tube. We're in a tube where the air is recycled, right? I don't know what he ate, but about every five minutes, it was the most awful smell in the world. I don't know. And I, it, I, John said it was, John told me it was Charlie Haas because it wasn't him. I know it wasn't me. I wouldn't be sitting here telling this story. So John said it was Charlie Haas. And I'm like, oh my goodness, we sh- he needs to go get rid of that. So to this day, I mean, I don't know what Charlie ate that day, but my goodness. 
It was bad. It was bad. And John told me it was Charlie. It wasn't him. <laughs> you got to believe John. <laughs> I believed him. He was, he, was, he was my boss, so I had to believe him. <laughs> it's funny. So Charlie sat down and wanted to rib me, and all of a sudden, these crazy smells started coming out. <laughs> it, it was awesome. Stay here. Stay here right beside me, Charlie. It was, it was too late. We couldn't move. The plane was already going. I mean – it, uh, I wanted to move. It was that bad, but it, Get didn't, out of the plane. <laughs> it didn't matter if I was in the middle, right back in the middle or, or in the front, you know, it, it's, it, you know, everything circulates. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It was really bad. Good times. Those internet, those long flights, especially back in the day were they were wild. I mean, they, they were wild. Good times. That's all. I'm, I'm just going to leave it all. I'm going to leave it there. I remember one time I'm sitting uh, in up front and and I'm, I'm sitting and Marsha Clark sits right beside me, uh, and it's right after the OJ trial. And it, I, I'm sitting and we were and we're flying coast to coast, and it isn't <laughs> is it three hours in there, and you start hearing the boys. There was blood in the Bronco. There was blood in the Bronco. <laughs> And I'm sitting right by her. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. And I'm just sitting there thinking, it's going to get a lot worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to get a lot worse. <laughs> it's, it's a, uh, just put your headphones on. John, you remember that? I know you do. Remember that trip? Mr. Briscoe, I don't know if you were on this with us or not. You, did you, go, you didn't go on too many overseas tours with us, did you, Mr. Briscoe? I went quite a few for a while, then I quit going on. I can't remember if you were on this one or not, but you remember that that flight we went on, John, and uh, the the pilots were, I think we were trying to land in Russia. And yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dropped 500 feet. Bam. Yeah. Remember that? I was not on that one, thank goodness. Yeah. I heard that was the most horrifying night ever in a, in a- – it, it, it was, you know, and, and we had Flair on that flight with us too. So he was probably having some flashbacks like, oh, no, oh, yeah. this is not good. I was sitting next to Nathan Jones, right? And um, yep. I had taken an, an Ambien to help me sleep. A prescription, I had a prescription for it. And to help me sleep. And I woke up and, and I'm out, right? And I, I could feel myself, you know, going like that. And my, my tray was pow, pow, slamming back and forth. And it kind of woke me up. And I'm like, I woke up. I turn and I look up at Nathan. This guy was white as a ghost and you got Nathan was a big big guy and kind of huge kind of scary because you don't didn't, I didn't know what was going on up there and he was white knuckling the the um the, the seat rest there and I'm looking at him I'm like oh oh this is this is not good and then all of a sudden I just go I just fell back to sleep I just fell back to sleep and then I wake up the next day or when I woke up and I'm pretty sure I know who did it I'm sitting there laid back and I wake up and I got all kinds of chips and crumbs all over me here. I wake up and select that in the bag. You wouldn't know who did that, would you, John? I wouldn't have any idea. I didn't think you did. Potato chips all over you. (laughs) I got all kinds of all over your shoulders. Everywhere, all over me, you know. Yeah. It's a wonder I'm still my eyebrows. I figure if we're not going to die in the plane crash, I at least got to have some fun. We landed. Remember, we landed in that freaking blizzard. Yeah, they, they, they couldn't find the runway. They had to keep going That's up. Right. And the pilot's going, "This is about our last chance to hit the runway." And we're like, "Oh my god, we're, we're out of fuel!" Like, uh. we finally landed. Remember, they opened up the door, and that snow just came blowing in the door. It was it was, it was a blizzard. And the blizzard. The Russians and were there Russia. with automatic weapons. 
Well, we landed in Russia. It was in Russia we landed in, right? That's right. We landed in Russia because we, <laughs> whatever happened, we're out of fuel or I don't know what happened. We got stuck in a, I don't know. We landed I mean, in Russia. Redirect. On our, way, on our way to Korea. Yeah. 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 Korea. Yeah, that's right. We were going to, we went to Korea, Japan, Malaysia, then Australia. And then, then back we went all the way to Perth, which was Nathan Jones' hometown. And remember, that's the, that's the night he walked out. He did. He said, I'm staying here. I'm not going. Yeah. I remember. We got all the way down to Perth. We had had that. We had almost had the plane almost crashed. We fly to Korea. Then we fly like eight or nine hours, wrestle the next night in Singapore. Then we fly like eight or nine hours and wrestle in, in Perth, all the way other side of Australia. And Nathan Jones just literally grabbed his bag and walked out. He was going, he was his town. He was going over and he had had enough. Did he and, tell anybody he was leaving or did he? He just disappeared from. Yeah, he said. He said I was sitting close to him, and he, he said, "Guys, this is it for me." And he grabbed his bag and walked out. And Malenko, I think Malenko was the agent, and I told Dean, or somebody told Dean, Dean, <laughs> Nathan Jones just quit. <laughs> he goes, "What do you mean he quit?" I go, and he could see this huge man walking out with his bag, walking out backstage. He just got his bag and walked straight out. We never saw him again. Yeah, Dean, go stop him. Go get him, Dean. <laughs> yeah, go stop that man. Uh, you can go, sir. <laughs> oh man! You know Nathan was—you know—he was in solitary confinement or something down in Tasmania for, I think, per- several years. Yeah. Well, didn't he? Uh, he was driving the getaway car, right, or something like that. I don't know what happened. I know they—they—they they, they treated him pretty bad. Yeah. Have you guys, either one of you guys, ever been to Tasmania? No. I, I was there twice when I worked in Australia for a year. Man, there ain't nothing down there. <laughs> really? Well, that's where Nathan was in prison for years. They they stuck him in solitary confinement. I think they treated him pretty bad. Man. Uh, he, he asked me one day, Doug, he told me, he goes, can I talk to you? He Nathan- actually worked in one of those prisons down in Tasmania. And I, if he was in one of those prisons, man, it was it was, it was a barbaric. It was like 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 the old barbaric days of prison for it. And, yeah. Uh, that bad. Oof. He asked me one day, he goes, hey, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. He goes, monetary policy in Australia. Do you think, and he starts asking me this really intricate <laughs> economic question. And he was a really sharp guy. He read all the time. He was a smart guy. You know, he just, he got mistreated uh, badly. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to make him mad. Oh, no. my God. He was huge. <laughs> he hit me so hard across the back one time, I thought he broke my ankles. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I worked with him, I worked with him several times, and finally I told him, I said, Nathan, I said, listen, let me call the match. And, and I said, I'll make you look really good, I promise. And I said, just trust me. And after that, he trusted me completely. And I, But he would hit me so hard. It was safe, but he hit me on the back one time, and I thought, he broke my ankles. He hit me on the back, and I thought, he broke my ankles. That's how hard he hit me. I, I folded like an accordion. <laughs> I remember when um, I was doing – when they brought him in, and that's when I was up doing um, – just doing some uh, work. They was taking a look, you know, I was working with everybody and um, he wanted to Sergeant Slaughter. She, he, he was our, our agent and Sergeant Slaughter came to me and talked to me and, and I, I said, okay. So we went together. Nathan Jones won me and like a, a great, great guy like him, but he wanted he was me, a good guy. Was, I like Nathan. Yep. Me same here. He sat on the outside of the rope on the edge of the ring. He wanted to grab me by the, by the neck and the throat and just, Toss me over his head like that. And I was like, okay. Um, all right, I'll be right back. 
I went to Sarge. I said, Sarge, he wants to grab my throat. Just throw me over his head. Sarge goes, I'll take care of this. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Holy moly. We got out of that. We got out of that. And we just did the old try to body slam thing and, and had a good match. And he didn't hurt me. Didn't hurt me at all. And uh, took care of me. So, but he was ex nade. You know, he was as big as anybody I've ever seen as far as just body and, and proportion, you know, because he was tall. He was massive. And legit shoot strong as hell. I mean, yes. yeah. What a, what a guy, what a specimen. And uh, it's a shame that he just quit because, well, I mean, he, he went on to do movies and stuff like that, but you know, I, uh, he, he probably had a future in the WWE if he would have stayed around. He told me what guys out there he, like that. He told us one time is uh, in, in, when he's in solitary, they had to come in and rough him up or something, you know, cause they, they treat, you know, and he said the first guy came in, he broke his jaw. And so the next time they're going to come in and, and rough him up again, they're all in the right gear. And he said he could hear him outside. One of the guys going, you go first. And the guy goes, no. <laughs> you." <just> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's, so, when JB, when are you going to come to uh, OVW, man? Mr. Briscoe, when are you guys going to come to OVW? That's, you know, I'm there helping Al Snow. With agenting, agenting matches, uh, producing the show, writing the show, um, agenting the, the the house shows and all that, um, I actually got back in the ring and, and had a had a, a, a you know had a, another match, which I, took me a week before I could walk again. And I watched it. You're you're great. You you and Al look terrific. I mean, you you look. Al is like I, I said many times, like Jonathan Winters on Mork and Mindy. He's aging backwards. <laughs> Al looks amazing. He looks, he's got two new knees now. You know that two new knees. No, he, had, he had he had double knee surgery done at the same time. He said we're Ooh. getting them done at the same time, or we're not doing it. And I was like, okay. I had one of them done, and I was the biggest wuss in the world. And then I heard Al had both of them done. And I think Kurt Angle, when he's a gold medalist, he had both of them done at the same time, too. It, I have no, no idea how those guys can go through that, that amount of pain. And here he is, you know, Al's out running around the ring. I'm like, and he gets back up, and I said, Al, what the, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, you're blowing me up. Are your knees okay? <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe it. He's, he's out there working and, and of course, smart. Smart, you know. I watched I watched Angle referee the other night. You know, he he's not even a year away from double knee uh, replacement there at the same time. Like I said, he was up and down. I couldn't believe he was getting up and down faster than some of the talent was. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, Jerry, how entertaining is Kurt Angle? I mean, even, he, he was out there with D. He was out there with DX, who's one of the most entertaining groups of all time, and he's just stealing the show. You know, he's so good. He just does that humor. He just – there's nothing Kurt Angle can't do. And, and man, when, when he came on the scene, he, he just took it by storm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He came, he, it's like he came out of left field. He came out of nowhere, and then boom. What a talent, man, because he was he was there. He came in just as I was there, he too. He a freaking gold medalist. <laughs> he, he, well, I mean, there's some things you just can't teach, though, and he just had – he had that it oh, factor. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, he had that man. it factor. His timing was incredible. I mean, just <laughs> incredible with everything, with wrestling, with the backstage stuff, with comedy, with his promos. I mean, there was nothing. That guy was just gifted. And, it, and it's a shame that it's, it's you know, how and he, Eric, Eric Ingalls, his brother, right? 
And then you have Kurt has all this. So you, you thought maybe Eric would too. And, and Eric just didn't have that, that it factor. He could wrestle. Don't get me wrong. Eric was a pretty good amateur wrestler too. Kurt had everything but Kurt's personality. I mean, he had the skill, but Kurt just had that, you know, those personalities only come along every once in a while. Kurt, Kurt got all the personalities there. I mean, but yeah. the towards the skill level and everything, Eric, Eric was as good an athlete to win a gold medalist, of course, but, you know, and, and high school athlete, athletics, uh, Eric was Eric, Eric was really Kurt's role model in that. Mm-hmm. Well, and Eric was a good dude too. He he was a great guy to be around too. He was he was he was awesome, awesome guy. So Doug, how's it going in OBW? John, it's going really well, man. Let, let me. Uh, I'm pretty proud to be a part of o, be back in OBW because this is where I started, and I feel like I've kind of went full circle. So I started here, went and wrestled. WWE kind of left business for a little bit. Now I come back to help um, everybody here in OBW. And um, this, this past summer, we um, I'm pretty excited to, to I, I can only tell you so much. I can't say so. I can't tell you everything that I know, but we did a, um, we were part of a, a project it was I'll try and be as careful as I can. Uh, crew came in and did a lot of filming um, this past summer, and um, I think it's going to be some like like a docu series on OBW. I hope I didn't say too much there because I'm not supposed to say too much, but it's it's going to come out. Um, all the stuff that we filmed and everything's going to come out sometime this year. I don't know. It, it could be this month. It could be spring. It could be summer. It could be winter. I don't know. I don't have that information. Um, they won't tell us. And it, it will be coming out on, um, you know, a streaming service. Um, I can't. Sure. It's, it's about great. as much as I can say, but, you know, there, it's just keep your eyes open for um, a series that'll be coming out on a streaming service. Uh, and it'll be about OBW. And uh, I'm very proud to be a part of a part of everything that happened. And that's going to help um, not only it, a lot of people know about OVW and Ohio Valley Rushing, but I think this right here will take OVW, you know, to to a whole whole nother level because it's. Yeah, I got to be careful. It's just going to give uh, tell people a little bit more about OVW. I think well, what 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 Al's done to that place is just fantastic because it's not your ordinary just you know pay your two thousand dollars and we'll we'll give you 12, 12 sessions and you're out the door. He's made it a university-like uh, setting there. That John and I both are really, oh. really impressed on why, how he's handled that thing. It, it's like almost like a government institution where yeah. you know they're funded and all that stuff, which we think is just absolutely great. You know, to have a place like that. Yeah, I think it's tremendous. I'm a huge fan of Al. I just think the world Al. Think the world of you too. I think you know these these guys that that want to get in the business. They couldn't have two better people and a better place to go, which is wonderful because. You don't know what's out there. You know, you you got lucky because you had an uncle that was a really good dude. Uh, most people don't have a connection like that where they can. I got lucky because I cold called Brad Rangens and ended up with one of the best trainers in, in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. But that was just luck. You know, some guys don't have that luck and they end up with guys that. You know, you know with Brad, you just cold called him one day and say, hey, I hear you're training people. Or how did you hear he's even training people? Doc? There was a guy who played in the World League that had wrestled in Japan. I can't remember the gentleman's name. Uh, he was a, a guy that, that was trying to play some football just like I was. And he had trained with Brad Rangans. And so when I got cut my third year, 
I I called him and I said, Hey, what do you, cause they wouldn't pass me on the physical anymore. And they said, I said, what, what, where did you train? And he said, Brad Ryan gets, he's the best trainer in the world. And so I literally, you know, back then you didn't have the internet and you couldn't look it up in the phone book. You didn't, you know, you didn't have access to it. So I took him forever. I finally found Brad's number and just cold called him. Just nicest guy from day one. I said, Hey, I played some professional football. I'm a huge wrestling fan. I met this gentleman. I can't think of his name. Um, I forgot it years ago. And uh, I said, I'd like to train. He goes, we got a training session coming up starting in about a month or two. And he said, just uh, pay your money. He goes, I'll put you in a, a apartment that's a, was in a basement of a guy's house that guys stayed in. And he hooked me up with an apartment, hooked me up with a place to stay and uh, gave me the place to, to train, trained up there for, for months. Yeah. I just happened to call the right guy. And from, from the first phone call with Brad, he was just as nice as he could be. That's outstanding. That's outstanding, man. And, and you know, having those connections and having somebody, and it, it sounds like he, he probably actually cared about what he was doing and cared about. He the did. Program. Brad, you know, Brad trained us really hard. We, you know, he had some, you know, I got, I got stretched a lot by Brad himself. So, <laughs> you know, he's a world champion. It would have been, would have been a gold medalist if, if Jimmy Carter had been a Olympic gold medalist if, if we hadn't pulled out of the Olympics that year. That's right. And so when Brad would do, uh, you know, shoot wrestling at the end for conditioning, he always went with me, you know, because he wanted the, <laughs> He wanted the blonde-haired football player that I think he enjoyed stretching me, <laughs> which he did for months. Blonde. You were blonde? I was then. Blonde, blonde. <laughs> I was then. I don't know what where it is now. I bought this toupee recently that was kind of brown. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of back then, you know, you know, like Jerry knows, uh, you know, if you're trained by Matt Suda or Billy Robinson or, or one of these guys or uh, uh, Johnny Rods, you, you got jobs. You know, so when I came down to Texas, literally, I ran into James Beard the first day, and he goes, well, who trained you? I said, Brad Reingans. He literally went straight in there and told Dick Murdoch and Skandor Akbar, we've got this big kid out here trained by Brad Reingans. And it was all because of Brad's name that I got my job. I got I got booked in Japan because I was trained by Brad. I mean, it was just – that was the best thing I ever did was going up being trained by Brad. He had such a good name. Everybody loves the guy. I mean, there's nobody who ever ran into Brad Ryan who, who doesn't like him for very good reason. Well, still this day, the guy is so respected, not only in our circles, but in, in the uh, amateur world, too. Brad, Brad's held up there with, with the great all-time great there because he is one. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's important to, you know, have have a, an established name attached to you where, where you go train. And some of these people that want to go and become, you know, get into the, the wrestling uh get into our business and, and become professional wrestlers, they'll go out and just get trained by somebody that's been, you know, in, in the back of somebody's, you know, backyard or something like that. That's never, never done anything. And I, I've always believed and I always tell everybody out there, if you want to actually get into wrestling, you know, I would, I would want to be trained by somebody who's been there because they know what it takes to get there and get me there. And plus having a name behind you, like say Al Snow, or or a Booker T or yeah. Rikishi or somebody like that. They've been there. When you say these names and they have these schools, I mean, there's there's a lot more. There's a lot more. Dr. Tom and and, and uh, uh, Glenn down in, in Knoxville. There's there's a, there's a bunch more. I would want to go and be trained by those guys just for the just for the namesake attached to me. I mean, that's 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 kind of important too. Yeah, because you you saw a lot of it, and Jerry, I know you saw a ton of it. These guys, they were just shysters. You know, guys would take the people's money and just either beat them up or stretch them or, or, or not train them. Just take their money. I saw a lot of guys in Texas. Beat them up or teach them the business. You know, that, that's one of the great things about, about 
my my second career where I was a talent scout. I got to go around and visit a lot of these things. And 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 at first thing people, you know, when I got trained at this school, what school was it? They'll shout off a name. Dude, I don't know who that is. What what has he done for you since he's taken your money? What he taught me how to work. He taught me, give me that little wussy handshake that they do. <laughs> you. I hate that more than anything in the world. Shake my hand like you meant, you know. But you know, I always tell the kids, research where you're putting your money down. Oh, don't don't just go to school. Go go just like Doug you said, go with somebody with a little bit of background. Go with somebody that has a connection. What connections does this guy have? Well, he didn't, you know. Well, where have you been booked? Well, I haven't. Okay. What'd you spend your money for? To learn how to shake my hand like a like a you know, like a, you know but you know, these, these, I hate these, that handshake. Yeah, I remember John. I remember. I remember John one time. Get out the other day, and nearly brought tears to his eyes because I wasn't told him I wasn't impressed because you knew a handshake, you know. Well, I remember John. I can't remember who it was. I remember somebody shook John's hand, and they did the the, the what's handshake. He goes, "Shake my hand like a man, boy," or something like that. I hate it. <laughs> but that's that's so important when the, when the guys and, and girls are looking for looking for one of these camps to be trained at. And there's nothing wrong with a lot of these camps, but a lot of them there is. Make sure you just research them now. Now this is the greatest generation in the world because they have all this uh, the these media forms where they could go out and, and do do checks on on these schools Absolutely. and go to a school that has a Doug Basham guy that has an Al Snow. Go to these schools, you know, Casey School and some of these other top schools around the country. They're 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 not any more expensive. What you're going to end up paying, and you you get a lot more results there. So that, that's, uh, it's funny how you learn stuff. You know, the first time I ever learned Carney, because Brad Rangins would talk Carney with some of the guys. But you know, Kurt Henning, Kurt Henning talked Carney all the time. That's all he ever. That's all he ever talked. You know, but they come and I, I had no idea what they're saying. I and I ask them, and they they wouldn't smart me up. So I'm finally, I'm down in the ring in Texas, you know, I'm wrestling, but I, I won't let anybody know I don't know Carney, you know, because I, I, I'm just like shaking my head. Yes, like I know, I have no idea. And finally somebody said, hit the tizag. And I thought, that's what it is. <laughs> so I finally figured out but that time when somebody called that in the ring. No, guys, I don't think anybody's ever smartened him up. <laughs> Still waiting. Still waiting. <laughs> I was I, one time I was in a ring with somebody and uh <laughs> I was calling a spot and I, I was getting madder and madder and madder and finally Kyoto comes to me and goes you know they don't speak Carney and I said who doesn't speak Carney <laughs> I think that's I think that's a lost art these days there's a lot a lot of these kids coming into the uh, OVW they'll come to you know for the TV and stuff like that. And the, the way they do things these days, um, it, hey, let me let me ask you guys a question. What what would be your response if someone said this to you? And it's to me to talking to you, you guys, because this was said and I heard it. You know, a lot of these kids will, will call everything in the back and go out there and have it, have the match. And then that, that's it. Right. And not, you know, call, call, call the ring because that, that's how we that's how we did it. Right. I mean, you have your if I'm saying too much, let me know. Um, so this is what someone said. I don't know what they're teaching you down there in OBW, but that's not how it's done anymore. So learning how to wizard is not how it's done anymore. So being able to go and, and make a, a, a blueprint of what you want to do is how, how it's done these days. What would you say, Mr. Briscoe, MJB, if someone said that to you? <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Uh, you know, the, you know, like you say, building a house, you got to have a foundation. You you, you got to have that foundation. If you don't have a foundation, foundation starts with the basic. Foundation starts with putting the right right measurements together. You got to have that foundation. If you don't have that, you know, you're going to be lost. I don't care what what else they're going to teach you. I go over NXT and they're teaching the foundation. They're still teaching the foundation. Over so if that's the wrong way, everybody's teaching the wrong way. So I would just tell them, if you don't know what you're doing to begin with, if you don't know how to take a nail out of, out of your nail patch and hit the hit the head of the, the right head of the hammer to that nail, where are you going to go? You're, you're not going to learn anything. You just, I just, I, I would just shake my head and say, brother, did you get screwed out of your money? <laughs> Doug, I'll tell you a little story. I was, I was working with Eddie one time, and we Taker was on right before us. And, you know, anytime Taker is on not before you, <laughs> there, a lot of times there's nothing left. And, and that, that's on purpose. You know, that's, that's, it's, it's one of those, follow that. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be on last, follow that. So he I, he had one of the best matches, it, as he always does. Tremendous match. I'm sitting there watching going, you got to be kidding me. We got to follow this. And so I get out there and I have all these ideas in my head. We're going to do this. We're going to go out. We're going to do all this crazy stuff. So anyway, I get Eddie in a headlock and I call his spot. And he goes, no, 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 sit here. I say, so I sit there for a while. I call the spot again. I said, you know, I'll go take you outside. He goes, no, no, sit here. I say, so finally I realized what he's doing. You know, I was so nervous of trying to get to keep the people up. I forgot to work. Uh -huh. I sat there in the headlock with Eddie. Started the match, main event match, following uh, the that hot match with Taker, and I just sat there in a headlock forever. The crowd started coming down, crowd started getting bored, crowd started getting a little bit listless. And he goes, "Okay, SA, let's start." And we started doing our stuff. And by the time we were done, they were all on their freaking feet again and screaming. And I, when I came back, I just hugged Eddie. I said, "Brother, that was freaking Picasso." Genius. You know, and that to me is working. Mm -hmm. Same that, here. That's that to me is the one thing. You know that that you got to have the confidence. That that takes a lot of confidence to sit there in a headlock for a long time with a hot crowd. It's uncomfortable. You got to bring them down because you got thirty minutes, and you got to bring them back up. And, and you know, and what I what I was saying there was. Um, I understand that it, things are, are done a certain way. I know that you, you do a certain way and it's okay to have, have a, have a, um, an idea of what you want to do, but you, you go out there and then you just like, listen, and then you do, and you can still follow your guideline, but you know, you may have to call audibles and do different things in there. You know what I mean? And I was just, couldn't believe I heard what I, what I heard. And it, it was, wasn't from anybody from WWE or uh, any, any other big organization. I just couldn't. It, it back, back in my day, we always had our set things that we, we would go to, you know, and you kind of, you know, you're fortunate where you worked with a lot of people and you worked with them frequently. So you knew the go-to thing, but you'd still, like John said, and Eddie, Eddie taught him real, real early. Listen to those people out there. They're going to tell you when when yeah. to when to blow and when when to when to set back and everything. Right. You can't if you don't know enough to listen to the audience and you don't know enough to be in the ring. But one of one you know standing up for some of these kids, they're that everything's so time driven now. You know we don't really the kids don't have enough time to experiment with a lot of things that we experiment mm -hmm. with. So. It's got to be that rush package sometimes. I and it's not right to do that, but 
it's through no fault of their own. You know, they just don't have the have the time that time to put in out there. So that's that's to me that that's the biggest thing that I see. That my biggest regret that their time frame to learn it has been cut cut not not in half but more than half. You know. Doug, one time I got this from Dick Murdoch. Uh, the the crowd was trying to hijack the show, so they they didn't want to let me do my promo. They wanted JBL socks, all this stuff, you know, all this stuff. So, so I called for a chair, and I just sat. I just sat in the middle of the ring. Sat in the middle of the ring. Just wait. Just sat there. And finally, they quit chanting, and now they start booing. So I got up and I said, "Now that we understand who's calling this, let's start again." <laughs> I got you. I got you. That's just know how, man. That's just knowing what to do, you know. Time to do that, though. That's right. Yeah, that was a lot of it. So it's a little, little different. Yeah. One time I called you in a, during a promo. I you, called you one time during from the ring. Yeah. Thanks for remembering. Well, you know, I've been kicked in the head a lot too, JB. I'm, I'm trying to re remember. Jerry, I go out there. I go out there with Orlando, and Doug wasn't on the show. And I get out there, and I got my phone, and I called Doug. And I'm sitting there doing my promo, and I, I said, guys, hold on a minute. I'm talking to Doug Basham. And I literally was. And it got so much heat. And I'm like, you're wasting our time calling Doug Basham? <laughs> I go, I'll try to put him on for you guys. They're like, screw you. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember that. There's so many things that I, and, and this is, uh, there's so many things that I've forgotten. I just can't remember, which. You know, you know what it is, Doug? It's not, to me, it's not concussions. So I don't think it is. I, it's, we wrestled thousands of times. I, and remember, so people say, you remember the time in Alabama? No, I don't. Right. Yeah. I've had people tell correct. me, remember the match you had this person? I, I, I literally one time said, I never had a match that person. They showed me the video and I had a match with that person. Like, I'll get on uh, YouTube. Yeah, I'll get on YouTube and, and watch some stuff. I don't remember this. <laughs> I don't right. remember this. You know what I mean? It's like, I guess it happened. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And it's not all that. I've, I've only had a, a, a few of them. And I'm, I just, I think I'm just getting old. <laughs> well, you are old. If it's that, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, Mr. Briscoe, to piggyback off of your point, something about time, you know, one of the things that um, OVW, back to the the school, the OVW Academy and learning here, and there's a lot more to the, just getting into the ring. You know, they're, they're teaching history. They're teaching um, um, finance, financials. They're teaching all kinds of stuff that you don't know, wouldn't normally get in just going to a wrestling, uh, someone teaching wrestling is teaching you how to, you know, work in, in the ring. It's you're really getting a, a well-rounded um, ball of information with this uh, academy that Al's you know put together, and then another thing that coming here in OVW and doing OVW TV, we 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 do live TV just like a Monday Night Raw, and that's some valuable um, that's some valuable uh, experience that you just you can't get just anywhere. You know what I mean? So you're you're getting live TV experience, so you can have that on your resume. You can go anywhere and know how to hit, you know, do what you're supposed to do when you do it. And, um, you know, in OVW, I think we're the second longest running live, you know, our second longest t uh, wrestling show aired. I think Raw's the only one's got to be. We've even been on longer than, than SmackDown. Not much, just barely, but beat SmackDown as far as consecutive episodes. So, wow. you know, OVW's, you know, I mean, Danny's legacy live on forever. And Al's here to, to keep it going. And, and I'm glad to be uh, back in OVW and be a part of it, man. 
Doug, with your T-shirt there, you, we mentioned them early. How how can they? How can our fans? How can our listeners get a hold of a uh, hold of you and 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 inquire about the OVW? And how how can they get some of those great T-shirts you're going to send John and I? Well, I'm I'm creating. I'm still. It should be done about the end of this month. Creating my own website where you can go on and and get bio information and uh, where I'm going to be because I'm starting to do a lot more seminars and going and 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 teaching in three hours what I can. Um, and then you'll be able to buy merch on there too. If you want to buy merch pictures and stuff like that. So that'll be coming out and it, it's um, the webs the Doug Basham. And you can also catch me on Instagram. I've started, I don't know if you guys uh, do Instagram or, or get on it, but um, I've found that Instagram is a very good tool to use. And a lot of people are on there. And I have started to put a lot of entertaining stuff on there. And JV, I'm about to put some stuff on there with me and you. It should be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be be fine. I'll I'll follow you. I I, I hardly ever do Instagram. I got, I got, you know, I got it set up. Uh, In fact, uh, uh, Renee Young, Paquette, set it up and uh, Danielle uh, Summer Ray. So the only people I followed for years were those two. Because they (laughs) set it up for me. I hardly ever use it, but. I use it just basically to look and see what Godfather's doing. <laughs> he, is, he is so freaking entertaining. It, it, it's, it's, it's been, it's been real fun. And I've really put a lot of time and effort and in, in into it and making it entertaining. And plus giving some uh, insight of who I am and, and what I've done in my career. It, it, it's fun. It's awesome. I look the, forward to it. I go on and uh, I'll look it up as soon as I get done. The Doug, the Doug Basham is where you'll find it. And then, of course, Facebook is just Doug Bash. You can find me there, too. And then uh, if you want to find stuff out about OVW, you can go to OV, ovwrestling.com. And then the website's real easy to... I'm glad you spelled that out for Layfield. <laughs> John, it's T-H-E-D-O-U-G-B-A-S-H-A-M. And the dot com. How do you spell that dot? <laughs> It's D-O-T or just... Okay, got it. D-O-T. I got to write this down. Yeah, yeah, you better. I'll text it to you. Yeah, Uh, please do. And then you guys, you guys got to send me your... Hey, by the way, on that one, would you give me... I can send you yours. Yeah, give me the medium, but put the the XL tag on it. (laughs) They run a little... Well, feel big. Yeah, but you guys, you guys got to wear it on your show once, just one time, because I watch your all show, and I'll, I'll just sit through it. I wear it all the damn time. I wore, I wore Mr. Briscoe's shirt, and I still do, all over the damn world. He wore it on uh, all the mountain peaks that he went to when he was back in his illustrious mountain climbing days, you know. That's right. When I go to climb a mountain in Russia or somewhere else, in the world. I, would, and, and, I would pack the one thing you don't ever want on the top of a mountain, that's a cotton shirt. And I would I would pack it and I'd put it on on Summit Day. They're going, you know, you probably shouldn't wear that. I, go, I don't care. It's for Gerald Briscoe. <laughs> and you know, it's something new. John is always golfing with my with his arms spread. That's out. right on the top of Africa. No, that's the top of South, top of South America, top of Africa too. Then Kilimanjaro. <laughs> and, and in all these golfing trips, he, he goes on and because you know I'll, I'll I'll follow John and just see what he's doing every now and because it's just where's this guy this time? You know what's he doing? And it's greatest. What is it? The greatest day, best you, day ever. Best day ever, and he's out there golfing. It's a, this a beautiful golf course. Oh, man. I got that from Frenchie. You know the cameraman. You know Frenchie's a good dude. Frenchie does a lot of climbing. Been there forever. You know. And What's Frenchie it like being retired? Frenchie would always put best day ever, and I thought that was so that's so cool because every day should be your best day ever. <laughs> 
It, it should be. And it looks like you're you're living it up, man. So all that money you've made wrestling. Oh my god. Stop goodness. it. <laughs> Stop it. I got a test. I made a lot of money because of you too. Thank you very much. No, I made money because you guys were there. Yeah, we, we took all your bumps for you. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to have to tell I said, Jerry, Jerry, I said, guys, quit bringing things to the ring because whatever you bring, they take it from you and hit me with it. Yeah. It's supposed to be you're getting hit. I, I'm the one getting killed out here. So quit bringing chairs. Quit bringing baseball bats. Kendo Don't bring anything that hurts. Anything we can bring. In. Make sure you hit him with it. <laughs> yeah. They'd come out there and they'd take bumps. And whatever it was they brought, they'd hit me with it. I go, guys, bring something salt, please. Oh, the good old, the good old days, man. Uh, if I could if I could go back and do it all over again, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't. In a heartbeat. Buy me a bear. Oh, I definitely wouldn't change that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, Doug, thanks so much. You're welcome, guys. I love you. I think you're one of the best guys on the planet. I love what you're doing in in the OVW, and I'm glad me and Jerry got to share an afternoon with you. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Mr. Briscoe, it was a pleasure being on. JBL, thank you so much, and I I love both you guys, man. Mm -hmm.